Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. Well, there he was, flat on his back, unable to move much, didn't want to try moving much, surrounded by snow, which thankfully had blanketed his fall. Yeah, it was obvious uh, by the fact that there was no blood that he wasn't desperately injured. It was equally obvious what had happened. The ladder lying half beneath him, half on those icy bushes between him and the house. Yeah, you can see it, can't you? Shelly had heard the commotion uh, and her husband's screaming as he and the ladder and the broom that he'd been using on that frozen edge of the roof all came crashing down together in the snow-covered yard. She ran from the house to the back door, and then she recognized just how slick it was, so she slowed down as she descended those three steps to the yard. Fred! Fred, are you okay? What were you thinking? Well, he said, uh, <clears throat> half wincing and half chuckling, which was good news. Seemed like a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. Shelley began extricating him from the ladder and the broom as he continued to justify his behavior. Well, I looked at the snow and the ice and I looked at that gutter and I, well, I surveyed what needed doing and I committed the plan to the Lord and I trusted him to hold the ladder. Shelley, who was now helping her husband sit up a little bit, checking his joints, rolled her eyes. Fred. That's not the whole verse. Nowhere does it say, hey, tell God your plans and he'll bless them. Fred raised his eyebrows and in a tone of sarcasm said, really? Shelley just gave him a one word response. Ridiculous. So with Fred and Shelley in mind this morning, or, you know, whoever that story brings to mind, uh, whom you have... uh, extricated from a ladder and a broom, um, tumbled down at the foot of something at some point in time. Uh, Let's look together at our Growing Your Faith verse of the day from Proverbs 16. We need to read verses 2 and 3 because verse 3 is tempting, so tempting, out of context. Here's verse 3 of Proverbs 16, out of context. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Yeah, in context, read with verse 2. All of a person's ways seem pure to them. It all seems right at the time. Yeah, but human motives need to be weighed by the Lord. So commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference uh, in context? Are you ever tempted to commit what you're doing, whatever it is, to the Lord, knowing in your heart that you actually do know better? Mm-hmm. Today is a um, <clears throat> don't you know better, Fred, you knew better kind of lesson. Fred certainly knew better than to set a metal ladder up against an icy snow-packed roof. Fred knew better than to try to create an avalanche with a broom handle. Fred also knew better than to do all this with no one holding the ladder. Fred is fine. Good news. The snow um, provided a relatively soft landing. 
But we need to be honest. Fred knew better. And so do we. God has given us a mind for a reason, and he has given a mind with which to reason. So I feel confident that the story of Fred and Shelley probably made you think of someone, or you've already turned to someone near you and said, that's just like the time that you fill in the blank. So maybe in the past uh, few days, few weeks, few months, few years, maybe it wasn't snow on the roof, but leaves in the gutter or a branch in a tree. Uh, I know you've got stories. So if you want to share one with me, uh, the text line is open 877-933-2484. Here's the truth. God has given you a mind with which to reason. And God has given us his word through which we can know his good, pleasing and perfect will. So let's, yes, commit to the Lord whatever we do. But let's do all that we do in word or in deed, not only to the glory of God, but with the wisdom of God operating by the power of his spirit. All right. uh, If you're in Iowa and you went to a caucus last night, we definitely want to hear your what I weathered report. So the text line is open for you as well. 877-933-2484. Our friend Nick Pitts is going to be here in just a moment to join us. Um, let me know that you're out there today. Let me know what you're doing. Let me know that you're doing well, how we could be praying for each other today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on the matters of the day and what matters to you today. You're listening to Faith Radio. Nick Pitts is joining us now. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You can read what he's writing and thinking at thebriefing.net. He joins us today from Alaska. That would be uh, the Alaska version of Dallas. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Carmen. How are y'all doing today? Could also be like the North Pole. <clears throat> oh, anything with it the, is. It, just put the put the big D in front of anything, and we could we could say that's where you're calling from today. Yeah, you know, Carmen, I uh, just grow my appreciation more and more to your listeners as I am under the keen realization that I am what has been termed a whim and that I do not like the cold weather. And, you know, there it is. So I was sitting with my um, with my mom and dad last night, uh, 85 and 90. We're watching part of that Buffalo game and um those people in the stands, man, you know, I just, that's a hearty lot. That is a hearty lot. People that, people that would go out in those kind of temperatures all bundled up to, they never, nobody sat down in that entire stadium all night. But anyway, hey, for those of you um, listening, Buffalo won, Tampa Bay also won. That's what I know this morning in terms of um, a football. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not going to mention Dallas's experience <clears throat> earlier this weekend. We're just going to let that go. And, and, you know, Carmen, uh, as a Tennessee fan that finds himself living in Dallas, I am a self-identified loser. I know this. I am. I am. I've come to grips with it. But, you know, uh, the saying proves to be true that misery loves company. And so the fact that I can be amongst losers in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is something I take great uh, comfort in. There's a lot of cheeseheads um, listening this morning, though. Just, just a lot of people in Wisconsin <laughs> listening right now, and they're they're just going mad crazy. So uh, congrats. Congrats to all our Green Bay fans. Um, let's, uh, let's talk here for a moment I about this development in the culture of the United States of America where 
we we are seeing the growth of what are called secular congregations. These aren't these aren't even places that describe themselves as churches, but they look a lot like churches in terms of what's going on inside. There's shared testimonies, there's collective singing, there's silent meditation, there's even even rituals that look like baptism that clearly are not. Talk with us about the church without God, how these secular congregations are filling needs um, for non-religious Americans. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. NPR had the write-up of, of, like you said, it's a church without a God. Uh, It's this understanding of people coming together, seeking after some purpose, seeking after some meaning, and having a shared affinity with those people that they're on the journey with. Um, it reminded me much of the uh, the famous David Foster Wallace essay uh, called This is Water, where he makes the assertion that uh, this essay proves to be true, um, that we are all worshipers. The fish doesn't know it's wet. And regardless of whether you acknowledge God or not, or whether you attend a church on Sunday or not, we all are worshipful beings. And we're all just... Uh, trying to uh, come together in some form or fashion to be able to identify what it is that we worship, whether we call it God or not. It is God because it's how we direct our lives towards a particular thing and mold and shape us and uh, in such a way that we might be conformed to it. Made me think of um, passages from, you know, early, very early in the book of Romans where it talks just about exchanging the truth of God for a lie um, also reminded me back in Jeremiah chapter two, where, you know, God just comes right out and says, you know, you've, you are like a nation that's changed its gods, but those really were no gods at all. My people exchanged their glory for that, which does not profit. Like people who actually did know God exchanged that knowledge, that grace for practices that will not profit them because it's it, it's total vanity. I mean, that's the broken cisterns passage in Jeremiah. Oh, yeah. Literally, I was just about to, I, it, that was that's such a great point because again, the culture is often offering us a an opportunity. It's offering us a product, a service to be able to satisfy the thirst that we have. And we're, we are like individuals that are pouring our water, pouring our resources, pouring our time into these broken cisterns that have a hole in it and that we're just leaking, that that are insufficient to meet the needs that uh, that the writer of Ecclesiastes would say. It's like the God-shaped hole. It's that yearning that we all have inside of us to be able to pursue after that, which gives us ultimate meaning and satisfaction. And, um, you know, like we, we see it every day, we're inundated with it, right? Like the, the classic study identified that there are approximately 5,000 advertisements that we're inundated with every single day. And they're all vying to answer a question that we all have uh, concerning meaning, satisfaction, et cetera. And our culture has just um, become very adept at uh, not only asking that question, but gather, allowing us to gather with other individuals that would say, this answers the question, right? Whether it's Peloton that gives us the community to seek after fitness and wholeness, whether it's uh, some food, whether it's some grocery store that offers to provide us uh, well-being and, uh, throughout our days, all there there are a variety of products and, and and services that are just 
vying for our affections. And as Christians, we not only one have an opportunity, one, to, to stand firm and to give a response for the hope that's within us, but also two, to acknowledge our, uh, our acknowledge our neighbors are very clearly are looking for something that this world can't provide. But the creator of the world has little emissaries all throughout it that have been called uh, to, to give a response. Peloton um, and that, that sort of growth of a of a quote unquote community of people with whom you are engaging in an activity. You're even competing against them, but you're not with them. You never actually meet face to face. You don't actually know one another. There's no actual community. Um, that's a really good example of the one of the kinds of exchanges that maybe we have made in the culture for real community. Um, there, there is no substitute for gathering together as God's people in a place where two or three are gathered in his name. Now, yes, it's possible for you and I to pray right now over the miles between where I am and where you are. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are certainly one um, before the Lord in prayer. But it is different than kneeling together and holding hands and looking each other in the eye and praying in concert um, on behalf of someone or over each other with a laying on of hands. Like there, there is a, there is something missing when the people of God fail to actually gather together as the people of God in a place um, at a particular time to his glory. And yes, to raise our concerns before him and petition. So let me just encourage you if you're listening right now and you have forsaken the gathering together, um, let's rectify that. Let's, uh, let's be people who actually seek other Christians out and gather together. Um, not only as a demonstration to the world of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, but that's a part of it too. So go ahead, Nick, you're about to say something. No, I think you're making a great point. Both Carmen, I'm I'm speaking on behalf of you, Carmen, because I'm a hundred percent sure that she's saying with me on this. Peloton's not a bad thing. Rooting for the Packers isn't a bad thing. You're just missing out if you make that the ultimate thing. If the goal of your life is to participate in a Super Bowl uh, as a spectator, if the goal of your life is to be f- f- uh, healthy, that's a, it's a good thing, but it's not a God thing. That's that that is that it's a it's a good thing to participate in during the short time that we're here on Earth, but it's not the ultimate thing. And and those are those are those are means to ends. What what is the ultimate end? And that's what really we want to focus in on, that we were made for more than to be fit. We were made for more than to be among 80,000 people in a crowd rooting for individuals that are playing a sport. We were made for more. And once you understand that you were made for more, I, I promise it will help you better appreciate those means that you have. Right. It's the classic C.S. Lewis line where he has the individual that the individual uh, believes God is his cat. And because he believes God is his cat, he can't properly know God because he thinks it's his cat. And he can't properly enjoy it's his cat because he thinks it's God. Like if I think Peloton is God, if I think the Packers or the Titans are God, I'm not going to, I'm going to miss out on God and I'm going to miss out on the goodness that is football and fitness. And so uh, it's sad that these individuals are meeting, but they're just meeting in such a way that they're putting ultimate purpose around these things that aren't meant to be that purpose. And it's just a, a great opportunity for us when we identify those things 
to then use those things that we have shared affinity with to point to the point to the ultimate, which is God who has made us, who has given us every good and perfect thing so that we might enjoy this life. That's really good. Hey, we're going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Nick Pitts. Um, and we're going to talk about the difference between political leaders and Jesus. There is a difference and we have a Messiah and his name is Jesus. And no human being, regardless of how magnetic you find them, replaces the Savior. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with one child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. uh, Doreen Winning has texted in this morning. She says, I'm president of my church board and preparing for our next meeting. And on my heart this morning is outreach to children and young adults. Um, I remember you talking about a school program. I think it started with an L. But I Googled and I searched and I endlessly and I I'm I can't find it. So in the interest of time, could you just tell me what I'm thinking of? Ha ha. Don't you think, Paul Perot, um, that she's probably thinking of um, LifeWise Academy? Yes, that's what I was going to say. And the, and the book is During School Hours yes. and it is uh, a release program that is authorized in all 50 states. Um, and so anyway, it's upheld by the Supreme Court some 50 years ago now. So yeah, you are looking for LifeWise Academy. That's what you're looking for, Doreen. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for texting in. Thanks for, you know, changing the world, man. Thanks for changing the world. All right, with us this morning is Nick Pitts. He is a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Um, so I have on my mind here this morning what I'm going to call Enos. There might be a a better way of saying this, but these are people who are evangelical in name only. And the rise of the Enos is really significant because there are people who identify as evangelical, not because of the historical definition of that term, not because a person like me, who's an evangelical, who would say that is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is about um uh, upholding the Bible as the word of God. It's about introducing more and more people to Jesus. It's about expanding the gospel message in the kingdom of God moment by moment, day by day in every direction. Like not evangelical like that, but a person who defines themselves as evangelical because they support a particular candidate for the presidency and they have heard that that person has evangelical support. So we, have, we now have the rise of the Enos, people who identify as evangelical because they are supporters of a particular individual whose name happens to be Donald Trump. So there's a video circulating out there right now where um, the former president is being put forth as a kind of messianic figure. Now, Nick and I are not here to talk you into or out of support of any particular candidate. 
We are here to be sure that as Christians, we're very sober-minded about the fact that we have a Savior and his name is Jesus. So, Nick, thoughts on this whole development of what's going on in the uh, political culture today? Well, I'm going to be a full disclaimer. And so I did run for president, student body president uh, in college. And I had the (laughs) phrase, don't sweat it, pick pits for prez. And so I, I just need to need wait, to have wait, wait. that. Wait, wait, when discussion. was this? Is this back in high school? No, this was college days. And oh, so it was, a, okay. it was, a, you know, with a phrase like "Don't sweat it, pick pits for prayers." I mean, I, it was <laughs> bound to win. But, but in all seriousness, uh, like you've mentioned, there's uh, if you have so God made a Trump is kind of the uh, self-proclaimed title of the video, and it takes on that Paul Harvey esque brilliant uh, narrator undertone. And it takes on the idea that God made a farmer uh, that Paul Harvey uh, popularized. And now there's a God made a Trump kind of theme video. And it uses it, it again, w- w- like w- we can understand and b- believe some of the messages that it's portraying. Like, of course, God uh, formed and fashioned all, all of us that were fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes and amen to that. But this video takes it a, a step further, calling Trump the, uh, quote, a man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave or forsake them, uh, unquote. And that that's where it moves from acknowledging that you've been fearfully and wonderfully made to borderline idolatrous, because uh, we know we only have one great shepherd that we hear his voice and he knows his flock and he's the only one that won't leave us or forsake us. And it moves it and it just kind of further reveals what we're, what we're continuing to see in the political culture in this moment that we find ourselves in right now, that that people, um, whether they're evangelical or not, are looking for politics to solve all of their problems. And so, again, they're pl- putting unnecessary and I would say unhealthy uh, emphasis upon political candidates to do so. And President Trump is the latest to do this. And so uh, now now I know what's happening right now. There are going to be some uh, because inevitably there always are that are going to push back and say that we're Biden supporters or we're just never Trump. And that's just not the case. Like we come from a long line of individuals that would say that. You know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? That we are, we're, we're, we're Jonathan's in the face of Saul. We're David in the face of Saul. We're Nathan's in the face of David. Like we're, we're coming from a long line of individuals that recognize the truth that better are the wounds from a friend than kisses of an enemy. And just because you are voicing criticism of one side doesn't mean that you adamantly support the other. It's just that you're essentially wanting for health for all sides. <laughs> so um, that's where yeah, we find I think, ourselves. Yeah. I think the advocacy for sober judgment is, um, is where I find myself in most conversations that revolve uh, around the politics of the day. Mostly I find myself just saying to the other person, really, I just want to have a conversation about sober judgment. Are we, are we being sober minded in this conversation? Um, are we, you know, are we seeking the welfare of the city and not just the welfare of ourselves? Are we, um, you know, in the city, you know, might be the nation. It might also be your local community or your state. So these conversations are important. Are we, um, are we recognizing the difference between an elected official 
um, who's going to serve for a particular time period in a particular place in a particular country, um, you know, or, and do we have the Messiah in perspective in the midst of that? Do we recognize the kingdom of God? Do we recognize that um, it, we live in the midst of the already and the not yet? And then alt- that our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus, no matter what particular form of government we happen to live um, in and under during this lifetime. So Nick is always <clears throat> super helpful just to have you as a conversation partner, appreciate you. And um, yes, Mary says, um, we need a leader, not a savior, not a grandpa. Um, we, we, we need a leader um, for our country. And I think that that's true. So let's be praying that God would lift up um, godly leadership and people of sober mind and good judgment. Maybe that would be, um, that's a prayer we could all agree to, I suspect. So Nick, thank you as always for joining us. We always appreciate it. I'm going to make a transition here to some global headlines. The Houthis, I will remind you, in case you have slept since the last time we talked about this Iranian-backed rebel group in Yemen, and you're saying to yourself, wait, wait, wait. All right, so the geography here is Yemen, and uh, Yemen has been in the midst of a civil war for two decades, but it's really not the the Yemeni people fighting against each other. It's really two... um, major powers, one Sunni and one Shia, um, fighting with each other via proxies in Yemen. So this is really Saudi Arabia and Iran fighting each other in the country of Yemen for two decades now. The Houthis are the Iranian-backed rebel side of that. Um, And during this civil war, they've been responsible for about a quarter of a million deaths, including uh, allowing 65,000 children to starve to death. So that's who the Houthis are. And the Houthis um, are now launching attacks against the United States and other Western um, entities in the region. And in recent days, the U.S. and her allies have retaliated. Uh, The Houthis' action in the Red Sea, initially directed against Israeli-linked vessels, uh, has started targeting commercial shipping vessels. We've been talking about this. It's leading to... Um, global carriers rerouting these huge cargo ships in a much longer and more expensive trip around uh, the Cape of Good Hope at the southern tip of Africa instead of taking that shortcut through the Suez Canal to the Mediterranean. So instead of, you know, going the short way, they're going to go the long way around. Um, you might you might remember a couple of years ago, like March 2021, a giant ship, a di- giant shipping container ship, um, I'm going to say it was called the Evergreen. It got stuck sideways in the Suez Canal. You remember that? I mean, it's literally like wedged sideways uh, and it blocked all the traffic for six days and prices shot up overnight because all the stuff that's supposed to be passing uh, through the Suez Canal into the Mediterranean and on to Europe, you know, lit- literally, literally like stuck in a traffic jam. So amplify that many, many times over, and maybe you'll understand the global impact of the Houthis making it impossible for shipping containers to pass through, or ships to pass through the Suez Canal. So that's really the concern. Now, just over the weekend, the Houthis started to use cruise missiles. They uh, shot cruise missiles at the USS Laboon. That is a U.S. Navy destroyer deployed to the Red Sea. The Laboon was responsible for shooting down some of the aerial attack drones that the Houthis shot off back in December. So you say to yourself, 
oh, you know, the United States is not actually in this war. I got to tell you, if people are shooting cruise missiles, which are that's not like a um, that's not like a small thing. Those are ship killers. If you're shooting cruise missiles at U.S. Navy destroyers and the United States is answering like we're in this. And I've I tried to tell you that we were in this some time ago, but like we're in this Um, and. Maybe you've been thinking about the fact that Saturday was marked 100 days in the current Israeli war. But I think I want to say this today. We would be remiss if we allowed ourselves to imagine that this is a 100-day war or that this war is only 100 days old or that it's going to end anytime soon. I would direct you to Genesis chapter 21. Some 4,000 years ago, when Abraham's wife, Sarah, gave birth to a baby who they named Isaac. And in accordance with God's promise to Abraham, Isaac becomes the father of a nation, the Jews, ultimately Israel. And while the modern nation state of Israel is not fully equivalent to the Old Testament nation of Israel, it's also not disconnected from it. So the war, which is now 100 days old in our lifetime, is a war that is many lifetimes in the making. And so we're going to continue to talk about it. Our brother Luke Moon from the Philos Project joins us next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, Luke Moon is joining us now from the Philos Project. You can check it out at philos.org. Um, Luke, welcome back, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be with I you. Think, I think I just misspoke. It's philosproject.org. Sorry about that. That's um, right. where, hey, where are you? Are you uh, are you back? I mean, you know, I'm home. I, I can ask I'm that home. every single time. Yeah. I'm home. Yeah, no, I'm home. It's it's I so, uh, got a couple inches of snow on the ground. It's snowing a little bit here in New York. Beautiful. Well, we're um, we're thankful for you. I think let's start with um. So the last time we talked with you, you were actually in uh, in Israel. You were in northern Israel, um, right there, just south of the border with Lebanon. It wasn't long after we talked with you that we learned here in the United States that there was. Uh, little a- very active efforts by uh, the Israelis at that point in time in relationship to something uh, to an individual in um, in Lebanon at the time. And then I learned that you were there, I think, with former Vice President Mike Pence. Yeah, because actually, I see it was, this video. It's was- <laughs> <laughs> crazy. You could have put us on the phone with him. Like, I- well, you didn't ask. I didn't know. I know <laughs> my knowledge is limited. I have limited knowledge. No, it, it's kind of cool. I, though. I was, I was not allowed to say anything. It was a very like, um, it was one of those, it was, I, I sent an email to his team at the beginning of December saying, you should come to Israel with me uh, because it's important for American leaders to, to visit during this time. And at the, you know, I, I was in, uh, where was I? I was in Phoenix and I got a call from his team saying we want to go. And I'm like, okay. And and so the the when I called you, it was terrible reception, and I apologize for that. Uh, but I was we were doing a, a dress rehearsal of all the places we were gonna go. It was we we I went with the advanced team everywhere, you know, checked it out, made sure it was 
it was cool for uh, for the VP to be there, and then and then we did it again. And, and that's awesome. We- okay, so so he yeah. got to have one of these experiences that's just really kind of a classic Philos experience, and that is to be. Um, with a person who can speak and sing in the language of Jesus, uh, Aramaic. Just tell us about that, because that was one of the things when I had the privilege of traveling with you um, that I was made aware of, that there are people who are preserving the language of Jesus. There are actual Aramaic speakers, and they're teaching it to their children. So tell us about that experience. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that in Israel there's Jews and there's Arabs, and that's it. And the reality is there's a lot more other people. And one of those peoples is the Aramaic speaking people. Uh, they're not Arabs. Uh, they speak Arabic and they also speak Hebrew, but they, they're trying to hold on to this identity of Ara- of being Aramaic. And that's the language of Jesus. Uh, and so one of the things that is, we, we bring a lot of people up to the north and we introduce them to the Aramaic speaking community. And one of the things that they get to hear is the Lord's prayer sung or spoken in Aramaic. And uh, so when we were going up to the north, uh, Mr. Pence was, I think the, the highest level uh, American official to go up north since the war started. Uh, we, we were visiting an artillery battery uh, and having lunch with the troops, and I had made sure to invite uh, our our fellow Naveen, who who is also, mind you, a reservist. So she is she is serving right now, and uh, so I had her come, and and then I turned to the the uh, the army spokesperson who was with us, and I said, she sings this the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. It's really cool. I would love it if we could have her sing, and and like uh okay like he had no idea and uh and then he sang the lord's she sang the lord's prayer in aramaic to the vice president and it was really cool it was a sweet moment very very cool very sweet moment um such a great reminder that brothers and sisters in christ are brothers and sisters in christ um up and down the uh the the socioeconomic ladder um and and across national borders and boundaries and so just thank you for that um, for that glimpse into your experience. Um, and again, if you guys want to check out what Philos Project is working on, philosproject.org. Um, you were there for a period of time. Every time you come back, you have a sense, a little bit of a sense of, you know, not just what's happening on the ground, but how people are feeling about what's unfolding. So just to continue to give you an opportunity to unpack that for us. What are, what are some of your takeaways 100 days in? Yeah. So, you know, it has the the sense of distrust has not, has not abated. Um, I, I remember when I was there six weeks prior, I thought, oh, you know, Israel is going to have to start letting in uh, workers from, I mean, because there was every day, you know, hundreds, thousands of workers crossing over from the West Bank into Israel to, work on the construction sites and do landscaping and work at the hotels and do dishes and like that kind of stuff. And that, that ended uh, October 7th. Um, and I thought, well, man, you know, it, it can't, it, it, at some point Israel's got to let these workers in so they can keep their economy. Going. But they haven't. And they haven't because there is massive distrust because the people who they let in, from you know the the people in the border with Gaza, 
they they had Gazans working in their kibbutzes, in their moshavs, in their communities. And those were the people that told Hamas, hey, here's where the security officer lives, and here's his house, and here's here's the layout of the property, and here's the guy who you got to take out first, and here's the guy you got to take out second. And so there is, that, that, you can imagine, creates a certain level of, of like, yeah, we just don't trust these people anymore. And that hasn't changed. Um, there's still the strong uh, people are, are still very resilient. They're still very unified. Uh, there's a bit of frustration, um, you know, on how to deal with the fact there's still 132 hostages. Um, and, you know, there are those who think, you, you know, make a deal with Hamas, make a deal with whatever, just get those people home. And the others are like, we Hamas must be destroyed. And, uh, you know, the we, we cannot negotiate with these people for the hostages. You know, it's so... It's a, there. There's a you know. It's a it's a struggle. There's no easy answers to any of this stuff. So, right. <clears throat> there's no easy answers. There haven't been easy answers. There are not going to be easy answers. Um, and yet, pursuing um, God's best for all involved is what we're going to continue to lift up before Him. We're certainly going to be lifting up our prayers. We'll continue our conversation here in just a moment with our friend and brother Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Hamas has claimed credit for a terror attack today in uh, in a city in central Israel. The Times of Israel is reporting that one woman was killed and at least 17 people injured, including uh, seven children and teenagers, uh, a multi-pronged Palestinian, Palestinian car ramming and stabbing terror attack. Uh, well, Monday afternoon, so I guess yesterday, <clears throat> yesterday, I'm just reading it this morning. So um, we want to we want to continue to lift up the people of the region um, on all sides, and we want to continue to be people who seek peace. We also recognize that um, not everyone's motives are pure. And so when we come back, I'm going to um, have Luke address some um, some revelations about um, people who technically work for the United Nations but who through the education system in Gaza have really been siding with Hamas um, now all along. So we're going to talk about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. What are some of the things that you find hard to believe? Do you find it hard to believe that God hears you? Do you find it hard to believe that God loves you? Do you find it hard to believe that right now God knows how many hairs there are on your head and how many are on your hairbrush? Like, do you sometimes find it hard to believe that God cares about you and the stuff going on in your life right now? My friend Susie Larson wants you to be reminded every single day, every single day, that God is good. Would you like to wake up to the goodness of God? Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Every single day, you'll get encouraging text messages, prayers, and devotions from Susie Larson right on your phone. Just text the word good to 877-933-2484. Connecting faith to life. Faith Radio. So UN Watch, which is a Geneva-based organization that monitors the United Nations, has published a report exposing 
how Hamas's October 7 atrocities were celebrated among a 3,000-member telegram group that includes um, United Nations staff members, in particular those folks who work in relationship to uh, the people who live in Gaza. So um, Luke is here with us today, Luke Moon from the Philos Project. Luke, the involvement of United Nations workers um, is not, not brand new news because there are uh, former hostages who have said that the people who held them in their apartments um, were UN workers in some cases. And so um, part of this is not new news, but this is a this is a lot of folks who apparently work for the United Nations in the Gaza Strip and who are pro-Hamas. This is a very troubling. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, we had uh, we had a guy who worked for us for many years who grew up in Gaza and he was a Christian from Gaza. And he would he told in, in telling his story, he would talk about how the fact that he went to an UNRWA school and UNRWA stands for the United Nations Relief Works Agency. It was established after uh, the war in 1948 to help Palestinian refugees, particularly. Uh, every other refugee in the world gets handled by the UN High Commission for Refugees, UNHCR. But but there's a there's a special one for for the Palestinian uh, refugees, um, and they are this for, this guy who worked for us talked about every. Every teacher in his class was an UNRWA guy and also a member of Hamas. Um, and that will, you know, we've known this for, you know, seven years kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, the atrocities of October 7th has exposed the level of complicity within the United Nations structure overall with, with Hamas. And, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't really surprise me, mostly because, you know, I've known this stuff for a long time, but the it just really shows the level of corruption and, and utter, like, basically complicity with with terrorists that the UN has has been practicing. Um, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the UN. Uh, you know, I, I tend to think that the UN uh, hates two things above all else, babies in the womb and Israel. Uh, and it's it it just shows once again that that the UN in in regard to to Israel is not an honest broker, um, and it's it's it, it, it I I look forward to the uh, the congressional hearings on on uh, our funding for the United Nations. So in terms of something going on a little, I mean this is under our noses, but in terms of something happening here in the United States and the. Um, the ongoing um, anti-Semitic foment that is taking place. Like, I, I don't want, I don't want us to lose sight of or lose track of the fact that Jews are targeted because they're Jewish, um, and they are the one identifiable group of people, um, religiously identifiable, culturally identifiable. F- f- against whom apparently many people in the United States think it's totally appropriate and okay to not only, you know, segregate and categorize, but talk about totally eliminating them. So I want to just lift up something to you. There's a thing called the People's Forum, and it says on their website that they are a movement incubator 
for working class and marginalized communities to build unity across historic lines of division at home and abroad. Now, on the surface, that sounds like they would be um, they would be, you know, pro working together on things. A speaker at the People's Forum in New York City said this. When we finally deal that final blow to destroy Israel, when the state of Israel is finally destroyed and erased from history, that'll be the single most important blow we can give to destroying capitalism. What is an incubator? What is a movement incubator for working class and marginalized communities building unity across historic lines of division at home and abroad doing platforming someone who's not just anti-Semitic, but clearly interested in tearing down the entire structure of um, of American capitalism. Like, what well, is that about? Well, I, I would say that, you know, it isn't just the identifiable Jews that are the targets. I mean, the reality, here, here's what I think. I think the, the reason that Jews are hated, particularly, there's a special hatred of the Jewish people because they're the people who got the revelation from God on Mount Sinai. Like, literally, I think that. I mean, it's, it is, it it. There and the the reality is Jews try and hide all the time the fact that they're Jewish and it doesn't matter. It's like there's this understanding in the like on the spiritual side of you know reality that these are the people that God chose to to bring not only his his moral order but his redemption for the world. And so it's no surprise to me that those who hate um those who hate the Jews also hate the things that the Jews helped create, which is Christians. Um, and uh, they they hate the order that Christianity brought into this world. Uh, there, it's it's so strange that there's you know the group uh, you know queers for Palestine is marching in support of Hamas, which would execute them in Gaza, like literally. Execute, and I'm, I mean that literally, as in re- the real word, literally, not the Gen Z version. And it it's it's shocking to me, but also not super shocking because there is this irrational hatred of the Jewish people rooted in the fact that they're the people by which God brought His moral revelation into this world. And I think when when we see it through that perspective, you know, there's the in the New Testament, Romans, uh, Paul talks about we are we're being we're grafted into the root of Jesse and the hatred towards Christians is is we're we're grafted into that hatred too. the fact that we are connected to this people. Um, And they you know, the, the funny thing is I I'm in a lot of circles where where the Jewish individual I'm talking to is a is progressive, they would support uh, a lot of the progressive I- ideals, uh, and and yet uh, is a victim of of anti-Semitism from uh, what I would call their side. I mean, it's that that you know the the forum, you know, the People's Forum. I I guarantee was a pro- you know would be a progressive group. Uh, who in any other circumstance would be aligned with a lot of Jews. And yet mm-hmm. uh, because of this fact that uh, of the spiritual dimension to all of this, uh, it, it carries a, a, a it, it creates this kind of um, uh, asymmetry that mm-hmm. it, to me is telling of the truth of 
the, the, the revelation of the Bible. Luke, we have to leave it right there. Um, thank you so much, as always. Um, continue to not only seek the Lord and be faithful to him, but continue to serve him um, in, in so many good and righteous ways. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. We look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Carmen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those of you looking for it, um, unwatch.org uh, is where you can find the information about the United Nations teachers celebrating the Hamas massacre. Uh, and so if you want a direct link, I'm happy to send that to you. Um, so we've covered a lot of terrain this morning. I know that some of it has been um, difficult. And so let's, let's be mindful. We are the people of Christ in the world today. Um, these are difficult days in which we live. We're reading the signs of the times and we're seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear um, on the things that matter. So thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour together. We're going to talk about praying with Paul. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, Click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.